Welcome, welcome everyone to MCU Rewatch, your path to Avengers Endgame as we go through watching all the movies in the MCU. I am your host, Mark Turcotte, and joining me for this episode, as always, Mr. Paris Lilly. Paris, what's up, man? Hey, we made it to phase two. Yes. <laughs> We're here, man. We're here. Phase yeah. two. Yes. Uh, let's see. And the other man joining us here, as always, Swain. Swain, what's up, man? Hello. So <laughs> we're this has been a, a rough week with uh, rewatching. So yeah, yeah. yeah well, with, on this say, episode, this episode we're talking Iron Man three. So I think of the the two movies we're doing here in these two back to back episodes. Uh, Iron Man three, the better of the two. And so tune in next episode. Yeah. We're talking about Thor: Dark World. There, we can we can talk about some of that there. But this episode, we're talking about Iron Man three. And this movie was released on April 14th of 2013. Oh, I'm sorry, April 25th. The uh, the Paris premiere was on April 14th, but April 25th, 2013. And this did, like Paris commented there, kicked off the phase two of the MCU. And before we get into the plot, just general impressions, I think, on this movie. Just kind of, you guys remember going back and kind of watching the movie back then. What were your initial thoughts seeing it in the theaters? I, I remember being at work, and it was a Friday and I knew because um, because when the job I was at that time I have every other Friday off, but it was a Friday I had to work, and I went at lunch. I took an extended lunch. Oh, nice! Went, <laughs> went and saw Iron Man three by myself in a theater in Orange County. That, that that's always my memory from it. And yeah, I'll, I'll get into my experiences as we, <laughs> we get into the movie itself. But um, that that's my 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 standout memory is I played hooky from work to go see it. This is a long one, too, right? I mean, this is over two hours. It's like uh, yeah, two yeah. hours, ten minutes, I think, too. Yeah. That's, a, that's a long lunch, Paris. Nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I'm busted now. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Swain? Just seeing this movie, what do you remember from, uh, I guess, your initial impressions after watching uh, it? Man, my initial impressions were just like, I always enjoy a new Marvel movie, so this is like just like that. I, I pretty much just enjoy the ride and then <laughs> later i realized oh that wasn't that great or that that was a great time i enjoyed it but like the initial watching is always like exciting for me to yeah. some extent because it's new marvel but um do have a my quick summary of oh Iron that's Man, right give right? us your summary uh tony stark creates 40 plus some odd suits <laughs> and Rhodey only gets a paint job <laughs> he does man the iron patriot <laughs> That's right. Already you, always get in the shaft. He is, man. <laughs> What's the problem here? Which, by the way, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it when we get into the plot a little bit. But, like, where was Rhodey when Stark's house gets basically bombed by these guys? Where was he? Yeah. Like, what do you think? Everybody in the world, it I, seemed like everybody in the world is watching the news footage. And he is nowhere to be seen. Captain America doesn't call him up. Nobody's calling up to say, hey, Tony, you okay? Problem. Everybody just gone i have that problem with all of the movies after yes. avengers it's like yes. where is the rest of the <laughs> avengers when this is happening i'll get into this more in thor because that one that's where it really bothers me yeah but I'm in this you. it's like call up your buddies you got a few friends like maybe maybe not thor but like what about the hulk or you know what about uh, Captain America, like you said? like But we see the Iron friends. Patriot. We're... We see him in this movie, so yeah. we know he's there. We know he's... I, 
I would I even know. say, okay, let's just pretend, okay, Rhodey's in the Middle East at that time doing something. Banner's Thor's in this an, movie, too. Yeah, yeah Thor's true, in Asgard, yeah, let's say. Cap, let's just say Cap's on the East Coast. Where the frick is S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s everywhere. <laughs> They're the ones that should have been reacting to that. I don't know. I, I completely agree with you on that. Especially knowing just the, I guess, time bomb, if you want to say that. Tony potentially is knowing that he's they you know they know he's building all these suits just what could come of that they had to have been there to, to at least help him out I don't there's, know that that, that kind of killed me in this movie as there's I was this it. problem with I think they figured it out later like Thor Ragnarok definitely solves this problem of not involving the rest of their characters too much in the individual one-off like movies like they have Thor dark world they have iron man 3 iron man 2 they have all of these like casts of characters that they're just kind of ignoring just because they want to do a solo movie and this is iron man we gotta be very iron man focused but like i said with like thor ragnarok down the line they're like okay let's kind of forget that we'll involve the hulk and we'll involve Valkyrie, and we'll involve you know Loki, and we'll throw them all in here because it needs to be more than just the title card. Right. Exactly. And these two movies that we're talking about today, they kind of um, uh, they 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 flounder <laughs> because of it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, but let's let's jump into the plot here a little bit, guys. So. Uh, the movie kicks off New Year's Eve in 1999. Uh, I think it's kind of funny too. They're playing that uh, that blue song, which is just awesome. We know Tony. You know, at, at this point, we all know, and we learn a little bit later on in the good. movie. He's yeah, exactly. But he's 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 gonna be blue here through a lot of this movie. Uh, but this is where we're introduced to the uh, scientist Maya Hansen, who is the inventor of Extremis. Who we see that is the scientist that Tony takes back to the hotel room and uh, Happy. Uh, what isn't that, isn't that happy the one that pulls the plant off and it kind of blows up so we kind of get yes. our first initial feel or um, just uh, exposure to what the extremists can do uh, but then we're also introduced to Aldrich Killian who at this point is just a mess right I mean he's he's a disabled scientist trying to get Tony's um, you know attention Tony tells him we'll meet him on the rooftop and of course he doesn't and that kind of is what kicks off, I think, Killian's just drive to get back at Tony at some point later on down the line, kind of setting the stage uh, for all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I know this this obviously spoils the end, but this movie is another example. Like you mentioned, Killian at this point in, in the late 90s where he's just he's obviously a super fan of Tony Stark. He just badly wants to work with him, the whole thing. By the end, when we find that the whole twist with the Mandarin and all that, it is another example of Tony Stark creates his own problems. Mm-hmm. He creates his own villains. Yep. He created the Mandarin, basically, yeah. in, in this movie, his own issues. If he just would have been kind, like he actually goes out of his way to be cruel to the yep. guy. He could have just gotten off the elevator, went, you know, went off and would have been fine, but he purposely stays on the elevator to mess with him and send him up to the roof. Mm-hmm. And at that moment he created the villain of, of the film. Yeah, so so that was a nice nice little really, twist. It's a really good learning moment because you're like, yeah. oh, Tony spends years and years cleaning up his mess from brief briefly like kind of a an ass making an ass of himself for yeah. a bunch of years yeah. and uh, being mean to people and just kind of like, you know, womenizing and all that. So mm-hmm. he spends like pretty much the rest of his life 
um, cleaning is this, up that Is mess. this the first time in the MCU that we actually see Tony, like you said, Paris, purposely going out of his way to be cruel to someone? I mean, we see him obviously being arrogant and being the womanizer and, and kind of, sh- you know, sloughing off some people in other, well, in other he, moments. But to purposely say, yeah, hey, you know, hold the guy on the elevator, meet me on yeah. the roof. It's, it, I mean, we're talking, this is New Year's Eve in the year 2000. Everybody was partying. Everybody knows where they were on that night. That was like a huge New Year's Eve. Meet he me redirects me his that. cruelty towards other people sometimes with like Ross when in that like uh, that little scene in the bar when he's like, oh, I'm just going to buy the bar and, you know, your favorite bar out from under you and destroy it. And it's like, yeah, he, he can be, but like... For some people, that's like what makes Tony Stark lovable in that's some right. situations. But <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. It's and, only really when he's doing that to someone that you hate, like Ross. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. we're yeah, where you love that that he's doing that, or like to uh, Justin Hammer, yeah. you know, in Iron mm-hmm. Man Two. That's a, that's another example. But also in in this this opening scene is a nice callback to Iron Man One because you get Jensen where he tells him that I met you. Oh, at a conference, yeah. but you're too drunk to remember. Yep. And then we see him there, and that was the interaction that, was that the he moment. was talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. So then that whole that scene happens, and you know, flashes back to uh, Tony. Um, what's he doing at this point? Is this when Pepper comes home? I think, and they um, she thinks it's him in the suit. Is that well? No. Well, well, before that, we actually get we get. Is it the Mark Forty Three? Is that what it is? Or 42? 42, it's the Mark 42, 42, 42. Where you see him, he's he's prototyping the Mark 42 where the armor, where he's setting up, you know, the the nodes in, in his body so that the armor pieces can come to him at will. That's right, and he yeah. Go, and he goes through the whole scene of, you know, and then he he fixes it. All the all the parts are coming to him and yep. he gets the Iron Man face on, does the, the awesome pose. And he's like, damn, I'm good. But then he forgot about the one behind him and all <laughs> of it falls off. So that, that was a cool little scene. Yep. Uh, and then it's so is this when I'm trying to think is this when then Pepper comes home and or is this where we start we could kind of get our first taste of the Mandarin at this point I mean we see him a little bit in the yeah right, right? they kind of give a little bit of like oh there's something going on with Mandarin there's terrorist attacks happening yeah. uh, there, you get a little bit of Rhodey uh, here as well um, they really just kind of hint that there's something something else going on yeah. aside from this. Um, and then, uh, so then that's when we kind of see his first kind of moment of PTSD when he is sleeping and the Mark 42, which we saw earlier, he tried to pass off to Pepper as himself in the suit, (laughs) but he was too busy down in the basement. You know, he had to have the suit up there. Uh, but, uh, he starts having a bad dream, remembering New York and Pepper basically starts to wake him up. And then the suit, because he's basically, it must be linked to him when his heart rate increases or he's under stress and the suit comes in and, is about ready to hit or take care of Pepper to some extent, right? right? Like attack Pepper. And uh, he gets up with, which by the way, he just makes that suit fall to pieces. What does he hit it with? It looks like it's either a bat or a crowbar. My wife even, she's just like, how was he able to take that suit out in one fell swoop? I'm like, well, he (laughs) probably had a watch on or something like, you know, he's able to take it down. But, you know, this is where we get get the sign that, you know, he is definitely having some issues. He has suits around the house that are meant to protect him. Um, because he's, he obviously is just nervous of just being, you know, vulnerable to anybody being able to come into the house and, um, take him out. And remember, and I, I can't remember if this was actually before that scene or if it was right after you have the scene where he's at the restaurant with Rhodey and they're talking and the the kid, the little kid comes up to basically get his autograph and he goes, 
you know, what was in the wormhole and then he freaks out he there freaks and he out, runs outside yeah. and gets in, yep. gets into the, the suit there as well. So, yeah, he's clearly suffering from PTSD mm -hmm. from the whole trauma of what happened in New York. And then now we're looking at the fallout. And what makes from him that. feel safe is he runs out and gets in the suit. So it's like exactly that, that is his safe place is to be back yep. in the suit. Um, yeah, which, they, by the way, this the suit parked by a bunch of motorcycles outside the restaurant. I mean, that's just <laughs> classic yeah. Tony Stark right there. I mean, yeah. you can see the crowd of people all just around it with it sitting out there is great. That's I, I I would think out of this whole movie, I really like that uh, little bit of Tony Stark insight is like the the fact that he is not the same after having gone through the wormhole mm -hmm. and done all of that and protect New York. Um, that. That's some good like character development in my mind is like, oh, they're really hitting home that he went through some, some little something in uh, New York and yep. he's struggling with it. Um, I think my only problem with the movie is how quickly he kind of just like snaps out of it. It's like you kind of see it a little bit later, like they kind of play on it more with like Infinity War, like he knows something's coming down the line. But the they make it seem in this movie like he's just like, oh. I'm good. Like, I figure myself out at the very end. So yeah. Well, I th yeah. I think a lot of this movie is just more of once he's attacked. Because I mean, let, let's talk about it real quick. First, we have the happy attack, right? The big explosion that happens where the extremists at the, the Chinese theater. At the Chinese theater, the big explosion there. Paris, I saw your tweet. You were watching this, and you said <laughs> you think Happy should have just been gone. I I think if you really wanted to, and and again, this is where we're at in the MCU at this <clears throat> point, where they were afraid to kill anyone. They wouldn't kill any key characters in the MCU. And this is the, the classic example of that. If you kill Happy Hogan in that moment and he let's just say he he gets to the hospital and he dies with Tony there in the hospital. Right. You can have this dramatic moment. Mm -hmm. And then he comes out of the hospital. That makes the threat to the Mandarin that much more serious. Like, oh, t Tony's pissed. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is this is why he's doing this. You just killed his best friend. Of course, he's going to to threaten the Mandarin, give his address and, and you know, I'm going to meet you face to face. Or you could even had a thing of where he gets in the suit and is like basically has bloodlust and he's the one actively seeking out the Mandarin or something yeah. like that. I, I thought that would have been a more interesting way to, to take it. But instead they did the, the GI Joe, the movie where Duke, Oh, Duke just went into a coma. He's not dead <laughs> kind of thing, you know, <laughs> but you know, I think still though, just having happy in that condition. <clears throat> and then of course, you know, that basically forces Tony's hand where he threatens when he leaves the hospital, he basically threatens the Mandarin and says, I'm coming for his you. Address. And they literally come and they, they you know, Mandarin delivers yeah. on that. Tony asked for it, right? But I think that's where, in the end, you, you know, Swain, you were a little unsure about how he's able to snap out of it. I think it's just because, look, man, they attacked his friend. They attacked his, his house, which part of it is his own fault because he gave the address. But put Pepper, you know, in, at risk. Now, unfortunately, what happens is he gets thrown, you know, to, to Tennessee. But I think that's why he's able to snap out of it because he's able to kind of ground himself back. Uh, by by maybe being away from everything, but he still has this revenge. I mean, this really is a story of revenge in the end. It's like, they, you know, they've yeah. attacked everything that he has and he's able to snap out of it uh, by the end. But I guess my question is, what's the reasoning why he doesn't try to really contact anybody when he's in Tennessee? You know, is, yeah, is it because he, he thinks they're just going to find him, which they do anyways, but yeah. is it just he doesn't want to be on the phone because he's like, all right, well, they're gonna, why doesn't he just contact S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point? He does make mention of it when he leaves the message to Pepper about why he's not – because then he he actually calls Rhodey 
at one point when he's, you know, he's going right, to go yeah. find the Mandarin. And he makes mention of it. God, I'm blanking on, on what his reasoning was. But it was to basically lay low that, in other words, the Mandarin thinks he got me. So now I'm I'm oh, going right, to get yeah. him kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, let's see. What else did I want? Oh, you know, I was thinking, like, do you think, <laughs> because it's kind of funny when you see Gwyneth Paltrow get into the suit. I mean, how much of that of that moment? Because that's what my wife said. My wife is like, you know, they just like kind of wrote this whole scene around just we have to find a way to get going to the Paltrow or get get Pepper into the suit. Like, do you think that was just kind of in their mindset? And they were like, well, the only way to do it is we have to just kind of make this scene happen in this way for her to get in the suit because she puts that thing on, man, and she kind of knows what she's doing. I mean, it shows her a little bit, kind of blasting her hands. But Pepper, she she kind of knows her way around that suit. Do you think this was her first time actually putting the suit on? Or no? Mm. You think she's uh, had it on yes, before? Yes, because she didn't know how the repulsors worked. She, she was trying to figure it quick, out. Though, didn't she, but, but you're right. Yeah, she did <laughs> kind of figure it out pretty quick. But yeah, that, that was an interesting thing that, that they did. And obviously, that's kind of uh, that was a tip of the cap towards the comics where she literally does yeah, suit up does, as rescue. Yeah. Mm. I don't think it's the last time we see her. No, I do not either. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, let's see. We get the, uh, finally when he gets to Tennessee, uh, which, you know, his suit just goes flying there. We meet the little boy. Uh, what's his name? Harley? Is that the little boy's name? I believe uh, so. Uh, yeah. I Harley. could care less about his name. <laughs> but, uh, we get this little boy that we constantly keep seeing and he basically becomes Tony's little buddy to help him figure out a way to fix the suit. And we have Tony Stark, Mr. Playboy, Mr. Big Mansion now living in a shack in the middle of Tennessee. So it's just a complete just contrast to what he's used to living in. And um, he's trying to figure out what he's going to be able to do to fix the suit. Of course, extremists finds him there. And uh, there's a whole scene of them fighting within this bar. And uh, what do you guys think of that scene? I mean, I thought it was that, that, that's one thing I will say, like we've talked about villains up to this point and the Mandarin. I mean, once you find out that Ben Kingsley is not the true Mandarin, I mean, he's just, he's literally just playing a role you know, yeah, Trevor. but, but, but I will say I do like, I think just the extremists, um, like when the people get ready to blow up or the red glowing underneath the skin, like that whole, the way they did the CG on that, I thought was very cool and was very just threatening. You know, the way you would yeah. see the, these villains, I thought it was awesome. Um, that's one thing that I will definitely give this movie credit for. So even though maybe his motivations weren't necessarily there, I think just the way they represented the villain, I thought was, uh, super cool. Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, the extremist is a little bit of a like a. It spreads the villain out a little bit more outside yeah. of just a, you know, it's it's a threat rather than a villain at that point. I mean, dude, the the woman that he fights in the yeah. town is creepy <laughs> as hell. Like she yeah. just she's almost just like a female Terminator. You know the way she's coming at him is just <laughs> nuts. Like I don't know who that actress was, but she she played that role great. Stephanie Shostak. That's her name. Brant was her name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But no, I I, I would agree with you, though, with with the extremist stuff. Um, I I, I liked, like you're saying, the special effects and how that played out. Um, My only thing with it was the fact that, again, basically Tony Stark is the one. It was the incomplete version of what Tony Stark did on a drunken night. You know, uh, at New Year's Eve, basically, that's <laughs> yeah. where they where they were, because, you know, Maya, um, what's her name in real life? Rebecca Hall, I believe, you know, was working on it, but couldn't figure it out. She sits down one night with Tony and he almost cracks it 
right then and there. And she basically makes no progress since that point. Mm -hmm. And then Killian obviously picks it up and that's why they're all exploding. And, and that was part of the plot of the movie. They needed Tony Stark to actually finish the formula for them. So, you know, you get into the whole convoluted thing of they have to kidnap pepper and, you know, we find out who the Mandarin really is to basically try and force him to, to finish the formula. Yep. Uh, let's see. So, you know, I, I don't want to just keep going through all this, but, you know, we have a couple of other big scenes here that come up. We yeah. have obviously the, uh, the scene where, um, well, he figures out that the manor is going to be in Miami. We find out Ben Kingsley is not the, the ultimate villain, which I thought was kind of funny. And, and you know, he, he literally just becomes Ben Kingsley at that point, yeah. you know, his British accent yeah. and all that. I thought that was awesome, which I remember watching this movie originally being a little bit let down. Because a lot yes. of the marketing had him as the villain, and you just thought, "Oh man, look at him! Yeah. He's tattooed on his head, and he's got the long I, hair." I distinctly just... remember this is so for anybody that's like following Endgame stuff coming up, and like the Lego set spoilers. Uh, they're not spoilers in most cases. Like the Lego sets that are released, mm-hmm. there's like nine times out of ten they aren't in the movie. There's a, <laughs> I distinctly remember there was a Mandarin and and Iron Man set. And the Mandarin was in like this like scorpion car. And like you never see this like right, scorpion right. car thing <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Yeah. So it's like take Lego spoilers with a grain of salt if you're out there and you do uh, take it in those type of things. They're almost always not real. There was like another I saw another one in Target the other day. It was like the Chitari from in uh, Avengers Infinity War, like with like some sort of like shooting turret thing. I was like, oh, they never, not not the Shatari, the uh, Outriders. It's like, they, they were never in like some sort of turret tank thing. <laughs> it just looks cool, man. It's like the Ninja Turtles were never in a pizza shooter, but it just, you know, it looks cool. Yeah, man. You gotta never shot a pizza out. Right? <laughs> um, all right, so then we have the big scene on uh, Air Force One. That, I mean, that's a, just an epic scene. At this point, I think uh, Pe- Pepper was kidnapped. And um, this is when Killian takes the suit, because at this point, Rhodey even got captured when he goes to uh, where he thinks um, there's what some... Is that where... Is he going to get the Mandarin, I think, at that point, too, right? It's about, it's somebody... or the, like, the they, they send uh, the Iron Patriot out on a bunch of, like, fool's errands. Right, and he yeah. keeps showing up at places that are not... Uh, actually where the mandarin is um but poor roadie man he keeps getting hijacked Mm -hmm. and stolen like come on tony just give him a little bit of security in this suit he steps (laughs) in it like well to be fair he stole it from tony right to be fair to be fair yeah but still remember another key thing about this and i never realized this until i just watched it killian actually helped design the iron patriot he he did part of the tech of it that's why he knew to heat it up that eventually the failsafe was going to kick in and kick Rhodey out, him out. Of, of, of the thing. So that mm. actually was part of it. Killian knew what the suit, what its capabilities was. And I, I never picked up on that until I just watched it the other day. Hmm. I, I actually didn't pick up on it this time either. Huh. It's interesting. Uh, let's see. Like I said, you get the big Air Force One scene, people falling out of the airplanes. Tony is able to use... Uh, the Mark 42, right? It's, it's Mark 42 at this yeah. point, flying mm-hmm. and save everyone. Kind of unsure whether or not Tony was in it, but we do find out it wasn't him. It was, he was controlling it remotely, and uh, he was able to save all the folks, which kind of kind of reminiscent of when, uh, what was the one scene in Avengers where he stops at the last second we were talked about it in the last episode, and he kind of blasts himself back up in the air. Yeah, yeah. All these people, he's able to save them here last second. You know, take it for what it is. It's, it's a fun moment. 
but then we get uh, Tony and Rhodey teaming up, going to take out uh, Extremis and get Pepper back. And we just have this epic battle here at the end with all of the Mark suits coming in, all robotically controlled. And, uh, you know, I think Killian, he, he at this point exposes himself as the Mandarin. And, you know, again, I think just the special effects of him were just awesome, kind of the way that all plays out. But, you know, unfortunately, the only thing I don't like about this whole moment here at the end is, like, Tony's never really in the suit. I mean, he's in the suit, obviously, but he just... The other movies, like, he's Iron Man and he's the one doing it. Here, it's more just the robot or, you know, the, the other Mark suits doing it controlled remotely. And then he does get a few suits on, but it's just, like, it never feels like it's Tony winning the battle, per se. Do you guys get that feeling from this? And I think maybe no. for me, that's why I kind of stepped away from it, like... Man, this this last fight just kind of sucked. Like I, I, don't I know. would agree. I, I would agree with what you're saying. And I think part of the reason is the whole point of the movie is the the suit isn't Iron Man. Tony Stark is Iron Man. He didn't need the suit right. to be a hero. Um, and I also think part of it was, you know, we obviously get at the very end with with Killian is for Pepper to get her moment. She's the one that actually defeats the villain mm-hmm. in the end. You know what I mean? So if he's just Tony in the suit and saves the day, then Pepper never gets her moment. I mean, that's that's how I kind of took took from it. It was more about Tony Stark, the guy, than it was the suit. They wanted to separate the two. Yeah. What do you think? Swain? Which I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, it's a it's a good way of you know showing that he is no he's he doesn't need the suits to be Iron Man at the end there, but still, like it's. For me, it was a waste, like, of all these really cool suits he kind of <laughs> yeah. created. And there's, like, there's like a whole website where you can see every single one and all of its glorious details. And you're like, some of these are really cool. They're, like, some of them are, like, you know, nods to comics and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, like, a lot of, like, stuff in there that you're like, this suit alone can probably solve <laughs> right. this problem. Right. And there's a bunch of them. They're just like getting, you know, wiped real quick. And it's like, yeah, I guess like, I don't know. It, I just think it, I wish it had a better payoff, like with all the suits showing up and actually doing stuff like sp- specialized. Cause like some of the suits were specialized for certain activities. Like mm-hmm. there's one in there that was like for like space travel and stuff. So I don't know. We, um, you know, maybe we'll see it again at some point. Yeah. Yeah, because you you see the one he, that he called it Igor that was clearly a Hulkbuster prototype. Yeah. Um, that that you see, and then um, oh, the other point I was going to make on that with with all the suits, this actually is kind of if you think about it, this is his Ultron 1.0 because yeah, this is what yeah. this is what leads to the Iron Legion, which in turn leads to he knew he needed an AI to be able to actually run the Iron Legion, which was the whole point of Ultron. Yep. It almost makes me wonder. I mean, I'm you know reading kind of this uh, description here. He destroys 21 of those Iron Man suits under the clean slate protocol, is what it is. So it's like you almost wonder. I mean, it was a reset for him, obviously, showing his devotion to Pepper. I mean, that was kind of the whole reason for doing it, you know, essentially. But then he just goes right back to it, creating the Iron Legion, right, and kind of bringing in all that. So it's like he destroys them all, but then he just kind of goes and does it all again. You I know, feel like, like the the, um, the all the suits he created in this movie were meant for him and different situations for him. Okay. Whereas, and you kind of see it down the line in infinity war because the, so the Mark 50 that's in infinity war. 
I think so. Yep. That, I think you're right. that one has a lot of the qualities of all of the suits that you see in this. Just all in so one. So like the like the when he gets those like really like big hands and he like when he kicks Thanos in Infinity War, he's got like he's got a little bit of like that that Hulkbuster prototype in those nanobots. So like, but for me, it was the difference between that and Iron Legion. Iron Legion was like all the same, right? And it was meant as like these are just a shield for the world rather than another suit for me. Makes sense because yeah. he even, you even see where where he's a, a first with Rhodey and all the suits show up. Rhodey's like, "All right, where's mine?" He's like, "Sorry, dude, these are all coded <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, you're on your own." Yeah, that's a good point. Quit dissing Rhodey. That's right, poor Rhodey. Uh, let's see. So uh, we have our post credit scenes. What do we have in this one? This is when uh, Tony uh, is talking to Banner right at this point who fell asleep, yeah. kind of telling him the story because the, the movie starts off when it cuts to that uh, New Year's Eve party. It's him telling the story and we find out he's been telling it to Banner the whole time and uh, Bruce trying to tell him, hey, you know, I'm not that kind of doctor and he just like just keeps going into it and it's just hilarious, I think, um, seeing that. Uh, where is um, Stan Lee in this? Stanley Stan is in Tennessee, and there's a pageant going on. <laughs> he's judging he, it. Yeah, yeah, he's there as a judge. <laughs> That's when uh, Tony goes to hijack the uh, the uh, news van That's with right. uh, oh, which, which the super oh, what's fan. His what's his uh, name? He's in a, he, uh, Adam Pally. That's great. Guy yep. has a tattoo of Tony on his arm. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh. Um, couple things I wanted to go to before before we wrap this up that I, I just wanted to mention. So, again, he he mentions at the very end that, you know, he finished, he perfected Extremis, to, you know, and he fixed Pepper. And he's like, why am I going to stop there, fix myself? Obviously, takes, you know, he takes the uh, arc reactor out of his chest, yep. which was a surprise to me at the time that they mm-hmm. went that route. But it made sense. My only thing with it is a couple things. So we never hear about Extremis again. He's perfected Extremis. We never get a peep about it again. It's never used in Ultron. Nothing. We we never see it hmm. used again. I wonder if it comes back in Endgame some kind of yeah, weird way. Yeah, is it way. a way to bring I, people I back know. that we lose? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then the other thing, trivia on this, Iron Man 3 was written the way that it was where he did the clean slate protocol and he gets he basically gets the I am Iron Man and rides off into the sunset because at the time, he had not extended his contract. So there was the potential that that was going to be his last MCU movie. Uh-huh. So they were giving, so they were writing it so that if this was the end, they could basically write him out that, Hey, he, he retired and went off into the sunset with pepper. And then obviously he signed a contract and he didn't. So <laughs> here we are. That's funny. But, uh, all right. Well, uh, anything else? Swain, you got anything else you want to talk about with Iron Man three or no, man, man? We're uh, chugging along here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, it's it's nice that it exists, and I like like I said with most of these movies, I excite excite it to see it when it first came out. But looking back, I'm like, ah, it, it this was just getting us a little bit further down the line. Yeah, just kind of advance the plot a little. I think for me, it was more just like a fun adventure rather than really. I don't want to say it didn't add anything to the MCU, but the overall arcing story, there really wasn't a lot here. 
I think when you kind of compare it now, looking at all the all the films, it was more just like, hey, here's this fun Iron Man movie. And part of it could have been like, really, because of what you said, Barris, they didn't know if his contract was still going to be around. So it's like, hey, let's just put out this, you know, Iron Man story. And yeah, we can relate it back to Avengers with the PTSD. And he's, you know, he's having some issues with figuring out, am I the man or is it the suit? What is it? But, you know, here, here's yeah. just a fun action movie with him. And then that's just kind of why it is what it is. You know, there's not really a lot to take away from it. Um, but uh, all right well uh, let's wrap it up there guys uh, Iron Man 3 go watch in it the books. We, de- we definitely recommend it yep we knocked this one out uh, next episode we will be talking about Thor the Dark World um, so uh, I guess look forward to that, <laughs> to that <episode. laughs> uh, but uh, everybody thank you as always here for tuning in and making us a part of your week or your day and with that we'll catch you guys next episode 